Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to the Left of Straight Show with your host, Scott Fullerton, as we discuss everything under the rainbow sun, from LGBT issues to foodies, entertainment to books. Join us as we talk to some of the most interesting leaders and celebrity LGBT guests and allies on the Internet. So grab a cocktail, it's always happy hour somewhere, and enjoy the show. Now, here's your host, Scott Fullerton. Well, howdy, 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 everybody. How y'all doing? Welcome to the Left to Straight Show. It is Monday, May 11th, 2020, and I'm your host, as he said, Scott Fullerton. Hope you guys all had a fantastic weekend. You found a little way to celebrate your mothers for Mother's Day. I did a Mother's Day fail, and I, I was not going out of the house. We're supposed to be staying at home still, but I thought I would sneak out Sunday morning to get some flowers at our local little grocery store because they always have really nice yellow flowers that my mom likes. Not one flower in the bin. And I hadn't been out in like four days. So it's like, yeah, no flowers anywhere on Sunday. So I had a Mother's Day fail on flowers. And then we're going to talk restaurants for a little bit because I had a fail there. But first, I just want to let you know what's going on today. It is Musical Monday. I have two amazing interviews for you and a special musical minute by our music correspondent, Mr. Zach Day from The Voice. So we'll have that in just a couple of minutes. Then I have two great interviews, one with Pano Sakas, who is an amazing YouTube star and rapper, and our good buddy, Matt Van Fossen, country music star tonight. So two great interviews for you just a little bit. Let's go back to restaurants. So it's Mom's Day. I did an epic fail on flowers. And luckily I got the card done, but the card, big deal. Um, so I thought, well, I'll bring her some dinner out to home. I don't need to cook for her. I've been cooking all the time. She's sick of my cooking. And she deserves a little something, something, right? Well, guys, I have no doubt the restaurants are going to come back stronger than ever because I started at 4.30 calling restaurants to do a takeout. Probably my bad in the first place, thinking that I could wait till 4.30 for a 5 or 6 o'clock dinner. Well, first, my mom loves baby back ribs. That's how to get her baby back ribs. So first I called Chili's. They stopped taking orders after it took me three times to get through. They just weren't taking orders. They were so full, they weren't taking any more orders. So, okay, fail there. Then I call Texas Roadhouse. Then I'll get ribs over there. Three-hour wait for orders. Three hours from the time you place an order to pick up any food. They had over 200 tickets going right then in the kitchen. So, yeah, so that was a fail. I called Outback. Two-hour wait for Outback. Ruby Tuesdays wouldn't even pick up their phone. And Applebee's was closed. So no ribs anywhere. 
you can't walk in any restaurants because they're still closed there for takeout and delivery only. And they weren't doing any delivery and takeout. They were all put these busy. So what did we do for Mother's Day dinner last night? Yes, I'm embarrassed to say Kentucky Fried Chicken. And that was a 20-minute wait to go through the KFC line, drive through line. So, yeah, I had an epic Mother's Day fail. I hope yours was much better than mine. And there you have it. But I have two uplifting restaurant tales I want to just a little bit. First off, Amazon is helping a local queer eatery. It's called Freddy's Beach Bar and Restaurant. They're giving them $200,000 to provide 10,000 free meals to police and first responders in Arlington and Alexandria, Virginia last week. They delivered over 400 meals with the assistance of three nearby restaurants every day from the 23rd Street where they were at um, to the Arlington Crystal City neighborhood. For the last two weeks in May, the restaurant's going to donate its meals to a cooperative for Hunger-Free Arlington, a group that will deliver food to neighbors in immediate need. So the move could be a way for Amazon to kind of endear itself to the local community because they are getting ready to do a second headquarters. That's where they picked Crystal City in uh, Virginia there. So it could be for that. But, I mean, it was nice they picked. They could have picked any restaurant to partner with, and they picked an LGBT-owned bar there. So the restaurant's kitchen staff is preparing as many as 400 meals a day, and good on Amazon for providing that $200,000 to get that done. That is very, very cool. And in a second piece of news, I was so excited to read that a restaurant in Michigan City, Indiana, right up by Lake Erie up there, is called Fiddlestick. And they are now offering on Saturdays drag side pickup. Yes, you heard it. Not curbside pickup, but drag side pickup. Customers can order online or telephone. And when they arrive to pick it up, a drag queen will bring their food to the car. The owner of the restaurant, Aaron O'Reilly, is gay. He says it was a creative way to serve customers. This isn't just a gimmick. It's for fun. They put a smile on your face. Um, they make sure that they do social distance. They wear hand masks and gloves and just the coolest thing in the world. And the residents are eating it up. I mean, I saw the video and they had this big old burly guy with his wife in their car and he was all excited to see the drag queens and these kids were excited to see him. So what a great creative way for that to happen. I'm surprised I've not seen it done elsewhere. You guys know I work with helpweho.com. We just raised over $3,000 this past weekend thanks to the Glamcocks and thanks to Hydrate Chicago for doing a huge dance parties this weekend with uh, virtual DJs. So three or $4,000 raised, but I can't believe no one in WeHo has, WeHo has thought of doing uh, drag side delivery. I think it's freaking awesome. So that's very, very cool. So those two things are happening. And I did tease last week that I'm going to have a huge announcement today, and here it is. Bum, bum, bum. Do, 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 do. Big Gay Road Trip for 2020 is on. That's right. The third annual Big Gay Road Trip is happening to Palm Springs and back this year from here in beautiful Northeast Ohio. 
I honestly wasn't sure if it was going to happen. Uh, the Indulge Resort in Palm Springs, which has been our host hotel for the last two years, Palm Springs has been shut down just like everybody else. They're not even reopening again until June 10th. And the owners, John Jackson and his uh, partner, husband Sandy, invited me back. They sent me an email the other day and invited me back for another month of live shows from the Indulge Resort in Palm Springs, California. So I'm excited. We're going to be going there. Uh, the dates for the live shows are going to be July 12th through August 12th. I'll probably leave a week before to drive out there. It'll take about a week to get back. But yeah, we're going to have brand new live shows at the Indulge Resort. We don't know what social distancing is going to look like. It may be a little different this year. We may not have as many guests. We may spread the days out a little bit. We're still kind of working it out. But So a big thank you to John and Sandy and the Indulge Resort in Palm Springs for inviting me back. Now, because it's such short notice, it's like two months from tomorrow I'm starting, which means I have to leave about a week ago in two months. Um, it's going to be tough to get all this together. So I'm going to be doing some fundraising for it to help pay for gas and lodging along the way. So be on the lookout for that and be looking for all my guests. And I'll let you know, especially guest announcers as they come up. And we'll have some fun giveaways and see if you want to meet us down at Palm Springs. You can go to indulge.com. That's I-N-N-D-U-L-G-E.com to reserve your room if you want to be there while, we'll, while I'll be there. Again, July 12th through August 12th. Uh, you can party with me and all my uh, friends I'm bringing to the show there. Of course, the Indulge Resort has amazing rooms, a pool, a jacuzzi, a barbecue for everyone to use. Every morning, they do a continental buffet with juices and coffees and breads and fruits and eggs and cereals and all sorts of great things. Every night, there's a happy hour at uh six o'clock at night every night for a little uh, mixer for all the um, residents of the resort. So it is a great place. Go to indulge.com and make your reservations now. It'll be a good time had by all. So that's exciting stuff. I'm excited to go. So that is the big announcement I teased last week. The big gay road trip from Ohio to Palm Springs, California is happening July 12th through August 12th this year. So stay tuned for more information on that. But guys, we need to get into the show here in just a couple of seconds. I see my first guest is checking in, but we're going to start off. If you saw the announcement yesterday, I have brought on 11 special correspondents to the Left of Straight show. Special people are, I guess these are experts in their field that are going to be doing special reports uh, once or twice a month to the Left of Straight show. I have two music experts. I have two fitness experts. I have a mental health expert. I have uh, three entertainment as four entertainment as experts. So tonight we're going to kick it off with our first musical minute by one of our special music correspondents, Zach Day. You may remember Zach. I had him on earlier this year. He was a contestant on The Voice this year, and he was on Team John Legend. Didn't make it. He's not in the finals right now, but he is a fantastic singer. We're going to do a quick music minute with him. And when we come back, we're going to have my first guest, Pano, who I have not talked to in a hot minute. I'm very excited to talk to him. So let's go ahead and jump in. Here's little Zach Day. And Pano and I are going to be back on the other side. Music minute with Zach. 
Hello, everybody. This is Zach Day. And yes, that was my little theme song. Wasn't it cute? I just did that the other day on my computer. I was like, this would be a cute little intro for the um, you know special music minute that I'm going to be doing over here on the Left of Straight show. So thank you guys so much for having me. Let's just dive right into this week. I was listening to so much music. Um, I just started back at work and, you know, I'm just constantly having music playing in the background. And, you know, sometimes I go on and off social media and I like miss stuff every now and then, you know, I try to keep a little bit unplugged at the most, you know, for the most part, as far as that goes. I heard that Jill Scott and Erica Badu did some sort of live stream, like three or four hour long show, like going back and forth playing music for each other. And somehow I missed that. So I'm definitely beating myself up over that one. Um, So if any of you guys have any information of how I could get to, you know, watch that again somehow, if someone like recorded it or something, send it to me because I definitely want to catch that. Now, I don't know if y'all are, you know, fans of Eric Badu and Jill Scott. You know, I heard Michelle Obama was popping in there and everything. So it's something that I need to see because I love both of those girls. And so if y'all have any information, definitely hit me up on that. Let's see. Oh, another song that I was listening to this week, you know, pretty often was Molasses by Hiatus Coyote. Now, if y'all don't know who Hiatus Coyote is, they are like, okay, hard to describe, really, you know, funky and brilliant musicians um, with some crazy like polyrhythms and stuff like that. And Napalm is the lead singer. She's just incredible. You know, she's always just doing these riffs and runs. And she, she's also a very underrated guitar player. She's, she's really good at guitar. Anyway, I listen to them pretty often. And randomly at work, Molasses started playing. And I haven't listened to that in so long. And I just remember, like, loving that song, you know, a couple of years ago. And ever since uh, I played at work the other day, I've just been singing it on repeat and playing it, like, all day, every day. And so you guys should definitely check out that song. That is Molasses by Hiatus Coyote. They have a lot of really great songs, but that was a song that I, like, wrote down this week as something that, you know, was playing over and over again all week for me. Before I leave you guys and go back to the Left of Straight show, I have a couple people that I know personally that are going to be releasing music very soon. And so I wanted to get let you guys know who um, from The Voice is releasing music. And you guys can keep an eye out for this stuff because I know these artists and they're just amazing people, first of all. Secondly, they're like freakishly talented. And I just really think you guys need to check them out. So um, one of my friends, Krista, her artist name is Crystal Ann. She actually just released a song called Let You Go. Um, She's one of my friends here in Nashville. I did meet her um, in the audition process of The Voice. She's just really amazing, and her this song, Let You Go, is a bop. I'm telling y'all, we'll love it. It's kind of a country pop crossover song, and, uh, you know, I'm not really the biggest country music fan, but I listened to this song and was just super impressed with it, and it, it doesn't, it's just like a very likable, enjoyable song. So, again, that's Let You Go by Crystal Ann. You guys definitely go check her out. I have a couple people who are planning upcoming releases on may 15th my friend and yours from the voice america's sweetheart jacob miller he is releasing an ep a two-song ep and it's going to actually be called quarantine uh from our conversations and from what he has like posted these are songs he's written quarantine and recorded them 
you know, in the quarantine. And he's releasing a key for the public. Um, and I've heard the songs. I've actually heard the EP. And I just think that, you know, Jacob is a brilliant songwriter and singer. And he's just, like, got such a vibe to him. His music, it's very easy listening. It's uh, really brilliant lyrics and relatable stuff. So if you guys like, you know, just a classic song that you can always go back and listen to and just really enjoy, I say check out Jacob Miller and his upcoming EP, uh, which is on the 15th coming out called Quarantine. And I was also scrolling through Facebook earlier and just um, happened upon another friend of the show, Cam Spink. He was on The Voice. As well, he was on Teen Blake. He has a song coming out on May 23rd called Leave Me Alone. Now, I don't know anything about this. I haven't heard it um, like I have with, like, Jacob and Crystal, uh, Chris Land's songs. But, they, uh, but you know, he's someone that I've heard perform live many times. He's got a lot of music out there. He's great. So I'm sure y'all will love him, too. So check him out. That's Cam Spinks. His song is Leave Me Alone, and it comes out on May 23rd. So that is all I've got for you guys this time. I want to say thank you to Scott for having me on and uh, be sure to check me out. I have a lot of music out as well and check out my Instagram, you know, Zach, and you'll see all kinds of stuff of me singing and performing and all the good stuff will be there. All right. So I'm going to hop off here and let's get back to the left of straight show. There you go. Our very first musical minute with Zach Day from The Voice. Guys, be sure to follow him on Instagram and Twitter. You know Zach. Check out his music and check out his YouTube page. He does great original songs. You can find him on Spotify and all that. And speaking of great music, uh, my next guest is making a return to the show. I've been a fan for years since first finding him on YouTube back in the day. And since then, his channel's had almost seven and a half million views. He's been dabbling under music, and there's alter ego Blue Franklin for quite a while, and adding more songs all the time. He can be funny and sarcastic, charming and biting, and I wouldn't want him any other way. Please welcome back to the show, Mr. Pano T. Pano, how you doing, buddy? I'm great. Wow, that was quite the intro. Way to fluff my ego. <laughs> That was awesome. How are you I, I've doing? been known as a flopper. We won't go there, but I've been known to flop pretty well, my friend. Thanks okay, for sharing. Okay. <laughs> How you doing, man? I'm great. I'm great. You know, doing as well as I can during these times, but you know, of good spirits for sure. There are you, you go. Glad to hear it. I mean, we've been a hot minute since we talked last time, and you're holding up pretty good. So, what are you finding time to do? Are you working? Are you TV binging, all of the above, eating more than our fair share. What's been going on the last eight weeks? <laughs> definitely, definitely all of the above. Um, I would say the ironic thing about having nothing but free time on your hands is um, kind of how that like zaps you of your creative energy. So definitely in the beginning, um, I wasn't terribly motivated to do a lot of the stuff that um, I do love to do, like make YouTube videos and music but I also decided that in this time during this time I was going to try my best to sort of like improve some of the bad habits that I've developed over the years so I've been trying my best to like get back into exercising and eating better and I think in the process of doing that it's led me to start becoming more creative and active during my day and you know laying off the Ozark on Netflix a little bit (laughs) (laughs) that's awesome though I mean I've been talking about it for the last couple weeks 
there is no right way, I guess, to do a quarantine. Some people are becoming really, really motivated. Some people are just not at all, which is okay. And some people like uh-huh. you and me, I think we started out slow and kind of got into a routine as we're going. I'm a routine guy, so it took me a while to kind of get a rhythm. You know what I mean? Right. Totally, totally. Well, very cool. We have a lot of ground to cover because, like I said, it's been a while here. Let's start uh, from the beginning. I mean, you've done a bunch of different projects. I do want to start off with a little bit. I don't know what you've been doing in acting. I know you were kind of foraying into it. You work with our buddy Christian in the Crisis Hotline movie. I had to talk about that. I had him on a couple weeks ago, and I saw Uh you even made a video about it, which was kind of cool. Talk about that experience a little bit, and what did you like in the movie-making front? Something you might want to do again? Oh, 100%. Honestly, that was one of the most fulfilling and awesome experiences that I've had in my entire life. You know, um, acting had, had or was and still always will be an aspiration of mine. And, um, I mean, ever since I was in high school, and YouTube was kind of a good catalyst to get into that, you know? And so um, – Shortly after graduating college, I decided I was going to move out to L.A. and really, you know, pursue it. And the opportunity to do the movie just kind of fell into place really quickly and in a way I wasn't expecting it to. You know, I I moved out to California um, that May and then I auditioned for the film in, in June and then I got casted for it and we shot in August. And, you know, um, I just got to say, like, just getting to work with such an amazing cast and crew and also playing a role that I really connected with and felt like I could execute well. And then also feeling at the end of it, you know, watching the film, feeling like I did a pretty good job. All in all, honestly, it was just one of the most satisfying things I think I've ever done. Nice. Well, it was very well received. And like I said, Christian has been a great friend of mine. I think he, I think he went by, I'm trying to remember now, Christian has about 12 last names. I don't remember what he used on that show. but I'm uh, pretty sure he used Christian was, Gabriel. He's a great guy. There you go. Gabriel, that's yeah. it. So that was your, your scene, part of your online interest there. Um, so you're, you get your first thing, and you were doing love scenes right away, and you had a great video talking about that and your reaction. So I refer people back to that. But what, what do you think was the most surprising about it you found on set? And what did you uh, think was the most rewarding that you learned from it for your time on there? Um, you know, I think the most surprising part about it was just not how easy the acting was, but how easy all in all the process was. Like the director, Mark Schwab, he really is an amazing guy and producer as well, uh, Tim Sika. And everybody else that they got on, on board to do the film, they were all such amazing people. And, you know, um, having to kind of tackle such taboo um, content and also knowing that I was going to have to do some more racy scenes, I was a little bit nervous going into it, especially not really knowing the people that I was going to work with. And I was surprised by how seamless and great and respectful everybody was. And, I mean, yeah, that was definitely the most um, – the most um, – what was the word that we use? Sorry, I'm blanking here a little surprising. bit. The most surprising. Okay, surprising. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. And then I would have to say that um, the most uh, rewarding part about it too was just, um, it was, I think it was just a validating experience. You know, I mean, I've always kind of, you know, seen myself as a good actor. I mean, you have to, if you want to pursue it seriously. Right. And um, to have the opportunity to, to tackle something um, as challenging and as large of a role as that was, um, 
it felt good, especially, you know, getting the validation from the people I was working from and just seeing myself, you know, in a cinematic format. It was really exciting and cool. That is very, very cool. And you're known from YouTube videos. Like I said, you, you go all the gamut of emotions. You've been very serious. You've been very sarcastic. You've been funny. You've been charming. Um, it, it serves you well in acting, obviously. Uh, do, this was a very dramatic role. Do you have, do you find that was something that you really enjoy? Do you think you want to go into the more comedic aspects or what, what did you feel about the actual dramatic part of it? Oh, you know, so I had always seen myself as a comedic performer, right? And getting to tackle a dramatic role, I actually felt like I excelled way more at doing that than I have at comedy ever, you know? And I, there's something about um, doing drama that I really enjoy because, um, you know, with comedy, you have timing that you have to work on in order to be funny. But there's also a specific type of, I feel like, dramatic timing that's a lot more subtle and almost like more difficult to tap into. And I, I really enjoy the challenge of that. So I think going forward, I, I could definitely see myself in more dramatic roles. But I mean, as far as acting goes, um, I'll do anything. You know, it's just, it's just something, I, something I enjoy doing. And I, you know, I enjoy trying to be sure. versatile in that respect also. Yeah. That's awesome. I love that. Thanks. Well, very cool. We hope we get out, out to LA again. We're trying to see what's going to happen in filmmaking. It's very interesting. Talk to a lot of people during this and just, you don't really know how it's going to happen because people have got so used to seeing people stream and with the uh, social distancing only having so many rooms, it's going to be interesting to see how quick the industry comes back. Uh, uh-huh. I'm, I'm hoping it, it rebounds pretty quickly. Have you had yeah. any, are you getting any, do you like subscribe to anything for auditions and things like that? Any notices? Are you on any alert boards? Has there been any talked about at all that's on your radar or just nothing well, that's reached you that's yet? Actually, that's actually a kind of interesting story because um, for a long, I mean, I am still subscribed to casting things, but um, just, you know, I'm close to New York City where I live right now, but not close enough that it's like super accessible. And so for a long time, I wasn't really, um, you know, submitting myself for anything, especially as I was focusing more on music. But um, just at, it was shortly after New Year. Um, for whatever reason, I decided to just open up an email, uh, one of like the 20, like automatic casting notices that I get per day. And I saw that they were casting, um, Americans to play soldiers in this, uh, major Chinese film. And so, um, you know, I submitted my headshots for it and then they called me back to audition and I auditioned for it. And I ended up getting casted for this Chinese film. And so I got flown out to China back like right in the middle of January and was originally supposed to be there until the end of April. And it was completely surreal, especially because everything was unfolding super quickly. You know, my parents thought I was going to be sold off to human and human trafficked because <laughs> everything was happening so quickly. They were really freaking out. They didn't want me to do it. Um, especially because they didn't really know much about the, um, the production company and I was going to be in China, but I mean, it was a really legit opportunity. We were working with um, some major Chinese directors and here I was in this remote part of China in the north, uh, northeast near North Korea, you know, trying to be a soldier. And we were doing um, this daily, um, like, military training where we were just learning how to do, like, fake falls. We would, like, practice on mats. And then we'd, like, you know, we would uh, test shots and we'd, you know, learn forma- formations and everything. But, you know, we never actually even got to shooting because about 
a week into the training is when the coronavirus stuff started to really take hold of um, the news outlets and started to kind of um, send fear throughout the country. And so something um, that the production kind of decided was that if the coronavirus had reached the town that we were in, that they were just going to cancel production and send us all home. And, you know, eventually that did happen. And so I think um, sometime during mid February, like February 16th, I ended up flying back home and I didn't get to have the full experience, but that was my most recent acting endeavor. Freaking bizarre. Can you imagine if you got it stuck on the travel ban and couldn't make it back home? That mm-hmm. is crazy. Oh my yeah. goodness. I did not know that. That had to be kind yeah. of, what was it like from that side of it being over there? What kind of information were you even getting? Well, I, I will say, like, they did do a great job of making sure that we were going to be well accommodated and have be able to connect to the Internet and everything. I would say that the personal – personally for me, what was most frustrating about the experience was there was um, about 50 of us. And, man, I mean, I thought for the entire time that I was the only gay guy. I learned later that one of the other guys was gay, and I think another guy was bisexual too, right? But there was just so much – like both subtle and blatant homophobia that went on during like throughout the, um, the guys, I mean, I feel like I was in middle school again and it just became exhausting after some time, you know, I mean, never did I feel like I was like in danger. Right. But it became frustrating, especially because, you know, although I'm, you know, homophobia exists in all, you know, sex of any industries. um, I feel like in entertainment, it's kind of expected because there's so many gay people in entertainment. Right. And I don't know. Right. Maybe I think there, I think there was sort of this um, like group think mentality that developed amongst a lot of the people because we were pretending to be in the military and it was just a bunch of like bros being dudes. <laughs> you know what I mean? And <laughs> yeah. you know, some people would let some really hateful shit slip out of their mouth. And that was really frustrating. I mean, I also saw some, weird stuff too like there was one of the first nights we were there we all went out to this club and this chinese man one of the locals um got up on the stage and obviously nobody knew what he was saying because none of us spoke chinese right and then out of nowhere he like um chugs two beers at once and then the club host starts smashing these three foot long led light bulbs across his back to the point where he was like bleeding profusely (laughs) And I have a video oh of it. My it gosh. was insane. Yeah, we were like, what the hell is happening? And then the next day, the AD on set made an announcement saying, so, you know, I heard a lot of you guys saw something crazy at a club last night. And in case you guys were wondering what he was saying, he found out that there was Americans in the town and he wanted to prove how tough Chinese people were. So he pulled that stunt. And then he kind of like made point to mention that he was like, you know, just so you know, that is very strange behavior this isn't how Chinese people act. That isn't a normal thing to see oh my at goodness. all, you know? Yeah. That is bizarre. Um, oh, my goodness. You know, all in all, it, well, it that, felt like a dream almost. It was surreal, really surreal. <laughs> I can imagine. Goodness gracious. Well, hopefully your trip, next trip back out to L.A. will be quite not as eventful as that. That's amazing. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Let's get into the YouTube a bit before we get into music. I think sure. – I think I first found you when you did a collab with Jason Ferrone, who is totally different than he was back then. But um, uh-huh. I think that's where I first saw you. You did a collab with him back in YouTube decades ago, whatever it was, five or six years ago. Um, 
looking over your channel, you've been there since 2012. Like I said, over 7 million views. You have 103,000 subscribers. Amazing. I, I was doing a little deep dive. Your very first video was you teasing your brother, which I thought was hilarious. I was going to play some of it. I thought, no, I'm no, I won't go that bad. But then I saw one of your recent videos, and your brother turned out hot as fuck. So there we go. He got that going <laughs> yeah, for you. He definitely, he definitely went through puberty, that's for sure. <laughs> Talk about this journey for the last eight years on it. What Remind everyone what got you started in it. I mean, look at your second and third videos. You were TikTok before TikTok was – invented or cool you were doing all these videos doing parodies of people's um talks and singing that was pretty wild how ahead of the curve you were talk about what got you started on this and and how you feel your journey's progressed well you know i've actually been on youtube since either 2005 or 2006 i was literally like 10 or 11 years old and not not the channel that i have now but Growing up, I was like a super big skateboarder. And so um, early on, uh, my friends and I started filming each other doing like skate tricks. And that's kind of like what piqued my interest in YouTube because it was just a convenient platform to kind of, you know, send my, like check out this cool new trick that I did, you know, send them a link, whatever. Nice, right. And then, um, you know, over the years, I kind of had made some like online skate friends. And I remember um, I had this one friend when I was like 12, his brother lived in Virginia or no, they both, sorry, they both lived in Virginia. His brother was a, a vlogger. He was around our age. And so there was um, this like music video that came out years ago called Friday by this girl, Rebecca Black, that everybody, it went super viral and everybody went crazy for it. And I remember right. his brother parodied the video and it ended up on good morning America. And he got all these subscribers and, Something in my teenage brain was like, I want that, you know, just, just being a teenager and wanting attention, you know, also I was always kind of like a performer. So I thought, okay, maybe this is something I could, um, you know, try to do. So, um, I had, I had a few YouTube channels throughout high school that I never really stuck with. And then sometime at the beginning of my senior year, I was like, all right, I'm really going to like give this a good go and like commit my time and energy into it. And so I started making videos. Um, I'm not really sure which are still live and which are still so, so, so private because, you know, obviously you're a much <laughs> different person at 24 than you are at 17, and you kind of go back and look at sure. the stuff and cringe at yourself a little bit. You know? <laughs> but, right. Um, but, you know, I started making these, um, these videos, and in that process, I started to watch a lot of gay vloggers. Um, I wasn't out at the time, and I think just, like, watching these gay vloggers and also just getting a little bit older, it gave me the confidence to kind of come out. And then in doing that, I, you know, finally felt free and liberated. And so I started kind of talking about my sexuality online. And um, I kind of just got, you know, brought into like a, like a clique of like gay YouTubers. And I guess that's, that's kind of when the, uh, the content started to shift. You know, I, I spent the past few years just, I think, focusing mainly on L- LGBT content. And I don't think my videos are always specifically about gay themes, but it's kind of just like my life and how my sexuality plays a role in it a lot of the times. I mean, obviously, you know, clickbait plays a big role and look at people to click on your stuff. So sometimes they'll pander to, um, you know, people's perversions a little bit, try to get them to watch a video that has nothing to do with what they might think it does, you know, but yeah, that's, that's kind of just uh, what my channel has always been about. It's, 
I mean, all in all, it's kind of just been um, a source of me to be or a platform for me to be creative and kind of express myself however I want um, as authentically, I think, as I possibly can. Well, yeah, and those things are all about the caption, too. You've had some really fun captions, but, but, you, uh, but the content's always different, and I really enjoy that a lot. Talk about, though, the other side of it. How are you at making sure it doesn't define you? I mean, sometimes you talk to all these people that are on social media, and you, you see 400 great comments, but you focus on the one bad comment. How do you work your self-esteem into it? How do you work relationships into it? How have you been able to do that balance over all this time? Well, I will say that, I mean, I think a lot of YouTubers experience this, that no matter, like, how, unless you're just not reading your comments, you're always going to let that one comment get to you. You know, like, sometimes I'll, I'll right. make a video, and it, no matter how positive the comments are, like, the vast majority of them will be, I'll get fixated on, like, one, because I think the comments, that hurt that are most frustrating aren't the ones where they're like oh like you're an idiot and that like that's it because it's like whatever it's it's the ones where people actually almost intelligently dissect what you're saying and still kind of paint you to be an (laughs) asshole and what they're saying you know and um you know it's frustrating because because you know you can't really know a person unless you can't ever really know a person who they truly are at their core you know even if you are close to them and you spend time with them and have a lot of conversations with them. And so to think that you know somebody in the span of watching maybe like a five-minute video of them is ridiculous, but that's the nature of how people think online, right? They're quick to make judgments. Right. They're also, you know, behind a keyboard really quick to say what they feel about you. And so, I mean, I'm not going to lie. There are days where, you know, I live with my cousin and I'll walk downstairs and I'm going to be like, oh, my God, you will not believe what this fucking inter- idiot on the Internet said to me. You know, but <laughs> – I just got to let it go. And, you know, I have a lot of really great friends in my life. Um, You know, the ones that I'm, like, really close with, they don't do anything related to, you know, YouTube or whatever. And so I don't feel like I've ever really let, like, my followers or, or, like, online stuff um, define me. I've never been, like, a a social climber, if you will, because, I mean, especially at this point in my life, that doesn't really hold hold much value to me, you know? Right. but yeah, it certainly can be frustrating. Yeah, I mean, it, it certainly can be frustrating, though, especially because uh, you only have so much control over how people are perceiving you. And, right. um, I mean, I'd like to think that I try to navigate the world as, like, compassionately and as positively as possible. But sometimes, you know, I sacrifice those morals for the sake of comedy and people take myself seriously. And, <laughs> I don't know, people, people are always just looking to be outraged online. So we'll leave it at that. Right. There you go. Well, you've navigated it well, and like I've told you off air, and I want to say that I think from your acting and from your experience in and behind the camera all these years, it really is showing um, what I like about your channel specifically and why I've kept watching for the last eight years is I really see a matureness for as far as growth of your filmmaking, I mean, your content's fun. I just like your content because you're a funny person and you're, and you're a cool guy. But I think oh, so many YouTube videos kind of drive me crazy because you can tell they spent 12 years editing a five-minute video because there's so many quick cuts and all this other stuff. And yours are very thematic. You do um, zoom in, zoom out. So you have different your pop-ups for different things. But they're very theatrical. Has that been training for you are you are you purposely doing that because you're doing it so well 
honestly, like, um, I'm glad you said that, but not, I don't really think about it too much. You know, I mean, to be honest, I just, I think I've just been consuming so much web content for so long in my life that I know what I personally enjoy watching. And I feel like I just kind of intuitively know what's overdoing it and what's maybe too little. And so, yeah, I don't really, I don't really think about it too much when I'm editing. I just kind of, you know, do it. If I think something might be funny, um, I I'll add, you know, like a little like pop or something to kind of emphasize it. But I think take a lot of people make on YouTube is they think they could like, um, you know, substitute real content or real dialogue with editing. And at the end of the day, if you're not saying something funny, you're just not saying something funny, you know? So, I mean, I'm trying my best to just kind of like let the, uh, the narration carry what I'm doing and then kind of keep the editing smart, you know? Right. And like I said, you are king of the captions, I think. I think your captions are amazing. Do you do the caption first and create the video around it, or do you create the video and then think of a snappy caption? Um, yeah, I mean, I just create the video, and then I, I make the caption. Um, I, I'm not really good at um, trying to, like, think of uh, something that will catch people and then trying to build something around it. So I think, for me, usually, just in the process of making a video, there's usually something that will just kind of pop to my mind that I could use. And what kind of a time effort is this for people thinking about it out there? I mean, there, this is not a simple... I'll film a video in my bedroom and put it up on the little channel here. This takes some time and some effort to build over a hundred thousand listeners and followers and 7 million views. What, what's the time constraints on this on you? Um, well, you know, I mean, for like making a specific video, um, I mean, I would, for me personally, it doesn't take that long because I've, I've got it kind of down to like a formula. So I would say, you know, Honestly, re- recording whatever I want to record usually won't take longer than like 30 minutes to an hour. And then the editing process will probably be like two to three hours. But I will say that I do um, edit for other YouTubers who are a little bit more particular about what they want. And then sometimes that process can be a lot longer. You know, it's, it's different when you've, kind oh, of gotcha. been doing your, yeah, when you've been doing your own stuff for a while, you kind of just, it becomes automatic. You're not really thinking too much about it. And so you kind of become robotic in your, in your movement and it gets done really fast. But then when you're working for somebody else, um, which, um, you know, somebody who might be new to YouTube, it's kind of like they're working for somebody else because they have to kind of figure out what their concept's going to be and how they're going to go about editing. I think the process sure. takes a lot longer, a lot longer, definitely. Right. Very cool. All right. And then uh, finally, let's go into the last part of it. Do you, do you like the collabs that you see people doing? Is that, I mean, it seems to me some of them are very forced. I like natural things. I think your videos are very natural. Mm-hmm. What are your thoughts on doing collaboration with others? And what's the thing of YouTubers getting into OnlyFans now? I mean, I guess Beyonce made it cool the other day, but this is just weird to me. <laughs> well, I mean, as far as collaborations go, like, I mean, I think it's smart, you know, the the way the way YouTube at least the culture around YouTube has shifted it became something that people just did kind of for fun to something that people are you know making a full time career career out of and um, naturally you know collaborations will help kind of share your audience and and um, allow you know whoever you're collaborating with audience to come to you as well and then you can grow from that and earn more money um, I think sometimes they do seem forced because two people are coming together who have literally maybe never spoken in real life and now they're trying to film something. So they're not going to really have much mm-hmm. chemistry. Right. right. But then 
on the other side of the coin, you know, you really do make and meet, make some amazing friends and meet some amazing people doing YouTube. And so when collaborations are born out of that, I think they can be really magical. Now, as far as OnlyFans go, I mean, hey, get your coin how you want to, honestly. Like, <laughs> I, you know what? Like, I, I, I just can't bring myself to do it. Um, I just, I just feel like, you know, allowing people, I, it is, you know, it's a form of pornography, at least the way people are using it. And I feel like that can be kind of tarnishing when it comes to wanting to pursue other careers. I mean, it doesn't necessarily have to be a be all end all, but for me personally, I don't want it to maybe affect, you know, future career pursuits. But I mean, let me tell you, there are moments where I'm like, damn, like these people are making so much money to do literally nothing, you know, what, just like jerk off on camera for like 20 minutes and then put it on you know, online and then make like $20,000 in a week. It's insane. Like I, I definitely right. have gone down a rabbit hole of looking at people like putting up their like statements from OnlyFans and how much they're making. And it's crazy, but you know what? Like I, I, I don't judge them at all. I mean, Hey, like, I mean, if you're somebody who no, wants to, no. you know, make, make money easily and you want to, you know, maybe pursue other passions or maybe you just want to like live and enjoy your life. I mean, that's great. You know, I really respect people who, who don't have the shame to do it and who just want to go and put themselves out there in that way. I mean, it's cool. There you go. I agree. Yeah. I agree. Mm -hmm. All right. Well, let's talk about music. I mean, I remember back when we talked, you were dabbling in music. Tell me how Blue Franklin emerged and talk about this music side of your career, which I think is amazing. Um. Well, I kind of was just born out of, excuse me, <laughs> that was rude. Anyway, <laughs> um, <laughs> sorry, <laughs> I didn't mean to burp on your, uh, your show. <laughs> sorry about that. It happened. Anyway, it's um, live radio. Yeah. It's good. <laughs> um, so, um, so growing up, I played viola and that was kind of really the, um, only exposure to any sort of like music I really had. Um, you know, my dad was from Greece is from Greece and he did, he didn't really listen to much like American music and my mom just didn't listen to music period. So I, I never really had parents who exposed me to music. And I think like just being so in, involved in symphony orchestra, like I never really had any desire to. And so in college that totally changed. I mean, I just started listening to like everything. Um, and then in that process, I've always been kind of somebody who, when I get into something, I have to start doing it. So I started writing music my freshman year, but never really did anything with it. And then probably, yeah, like around my senior year is when I, beginning of my senior year is when I released my first song. And I learned that my school's tech center had these recording booths. And I just did some like YouTube searches on how to like make your vocals sound professional without having professional equipment. And I just went in there. And at that point, I really like had no voice that I was proud of. I was literally just like editing every single phrase to go over the instrumental that I had and to make it sound cohesive, you know, and I kind of released it as a joke. I mean, my first two songs are called Licks and Honey and the first one is about eating ass and the second one is about sucking dick. I just, I don't know. I just thought it'd be stupid and I still wanted it to be funny, but I, you know, chose some really, um, really actually great instrumentals to write it over. And I think I kind of like tuned into a voice that I think people kind of enjoyed. And so the, um, the songs kind of just um, gathered a lot of streams on Spotify in a way that I wasn't expecting it to. And my audience mostly um, received it pretty well, but I never really had the, um, 
confidence to pursue it kind of seriously. And then, so I moved out to LA and I showed my stuff, my stuff to some of the new friends I made out there. And they were like, Hey man, like, this is actually like really good. You know, like this isn't some like amateur stuff. I like, you know, um, you, you have a vibe, you have a voice, you're writing good lyrics and your production's good. So you should really try to like give it a go. But you know, like it's, music has always been one of those things that I never really had much confidence doing. And so even at that point, I still wasn't pursuing it too seriously. I mean, it would take me a while to finish the song because I would get kind of stuck on one. And then after listening, listening to it and fixing it so many times, I got sick of it and couldn't release it. And then I just think after doing, after doing it so long, like infrequently releasing singles and actually really, um, you know, gaining a really big following for it. I mean, I just, I just passed um, a million streams on Spotify and my most recent single got put on like a huge Spotify playlist by one of the editors, which is really exciting also, because I mean, it just validates to me what I'm doing, you know? And um, yeah, you know, I, I don't know, like, like it just became something that I became really passionate um, about and also something that I could really see myself growing into something bigger um, than what it currently is. I mean, something that I think um, appeals to me about doing music is that um, the return on what I'm doing is a lot more immediate. I feel like it's it's the medium that I've pursued that I've been most appreciated for out of, you know, acting and, mu- and YouTube and now music. I, I feel like people have responded best to it. And I'm also attracting an audience that isn't, you know, just gay guys also. I love my gay audience, but you know, in order to kind of build something, it's nice to have, you know, a kind of demographic that isn't, you know, just gay, because it means that what I'm doing is, has maybe more universal appeal, you know, um, and it's sure. maybe just like less of a niche, you know, and so, um, yeah, I, I guess, I guess right now, um, all, of, all my focus is on music, um, writing it, mixing it, trying my best to sound as professional as possible, but because I really don't know what I'm doing, but um, yeah, I mean, I don't know what else to say, honestly. Those are That's, some amazing numbers, something I love though. Doing. Do you, those are amazing numbers. Do you find... Thank you. How, how does your writing process go? Do you kind of hear the beat in your head first? Do you pound it out on a keyboard? Where do you get your sounds and your beats from? How do they oh, come to you? Uh-huh. Well, I actually, I actually don't know how to produce. And so what pe- a lot of people don't know is, you know... Typically, what a lot of artists will eventually do is they'll have to, like, you know, find a producer and then invest a lot of money into getting them to produce, you know, their vocals and their, um, their, their writing or their lyrics. And what a lot of people don't know is that on YouTube, a lot of independent producers will go online and post um, their beats and their instrumentals online and then lease, lease out the rights to them so that you can legally claim them as your own and then write music over it and mix it, right? So... I'm not going to lie. Like, you know, it can get kind of expensive sometimes because um, I obviously don't want to like, you know, risk having to deal with any legal issues down the road of using somebody's instrumental and breaking copyright, you know, but there's some really talented people out there who um, put their instrumentals out. So, I mean, usually what I'll just do is it's almost like I'm curating my sound, right? I, I feel like I know what my voice sounds good on and I think, feel like I know what my audience wants to hear. So I'll just scour the internet for an instrumental or a beat that I think is, you know, really a vibe. And then I'll just go from there. It's, it's almost like doing a puzzle, um, writing the lyrics over it, because you obviously have to write the lyrics so that they fit within the instrumental that you have. 
And so that's, that's the, probably the part about it that I like the most is just um, getting to express myself in that way. Um, you know, coming up with melody, coming up with the different verses, trying to be clever in my writing. And then once I have a song written, um, I'll go into logic and then um, I'll mix my vocals. And to be honest, I, I really don't know what I'm doing. Like I just <laughs> have consumed so I, I've consumed so much music at this point that like I just mess around with all the plugins until I'm hearing what I want to be hearing. And then I'll, you know, watch YouTube tutorials and everything to, to kind of get myself um, to that sound. And then, you know, once the vocals are mixed, um, you know, and the song's finished, I'll release it on Spotify and Apple Music and all that stuff. And that's where people can go listen to it. That's great, though. That's pure creativity. I love that. That's kind of just be making it as organic as possible. I think that's what draws people in. So that's very cool, man. I love that. Thank you. Do you have anyone you would like to collaborate with, anyone you're listening to that you like their style, you think might blend well with yours, that you'd like to see yourself working with somewhere down the line? 100%. Yeah. Um, So actually, I am currently in the process of collaborating with somebody. His name is Hayden Scott. He's another um, gay artist. And actually, I, I discovered his music before we had even come into contact on social media. And then he just happened to, you know, find mine. And he followed me on Instagram. And I was like, whoa, like, I've been listening to this guy's stuff. And then it turned out he was listening to my music also. And so there was just a mutual appreciation for um, each other's music. And right now we are working on a, a collaboration. And it's exciting because... Um, for me, especially doing music, it's, I, I only want to collaborate with people who I feel like, you know, can kind of match, um, maybe not match my vibe, but also, but kind of complement my vibe in a way that, you sure. know, the song sounds cohesive. And I feel like he definitely, um, um, but, you know, as far as any other collaborations go, I haven't really, I haven't really thought about like, I don't know, any big names or anything because I'm not, I'm not there yet. You know, I'm just kind of trying to um, craft my own sound and then, you know, um, establish myself in that, you know, as much as I can. And then maybe once I'm on the same level as some really big artists and then, you know, start thinking about those kinds of collaborations, but we'll see, we'll see when the time comes. There you go. I like that one step at a time. It's good to have a plan. And who is out there that's on your radar that might not be on ours. Who do you recommend people start listening to out there besides yourself? Oh, wow. Okay. Um, let's see. Okay. So, I love S.G. Lewis. He's this um, DJ slash, uh, yeah, he's like a DJ producer. He also does vocals on a lot of his songs, too. I just think he's insanely talented. I love all of his music. Um, Joji, he's, I'm a really big fan of him also. He's um, this uh, Japanese guy who kind of does these kind of, this, this kind of like um, soulful tunes, but also kind of like blends. Um, modern hip hop. It's kind of hard to describe exactly what he does, but I think he's great also. And who else? I love Kim Petras. If we're talking about just really like great bubbly fun pop. And who else? I'm scrolling through my Instagram now, or not my Instagram, my Spotify now to kind of. Um... <laughs> oh, and I love Dua Lipa. As far as like like just like modern day pop stars go, I think I just think she has such an incredible voice. Um, right. And just every single song she puts out, I feel like it's catchy, you know? And for me, I'm, I'm usually the type of person who is paying most attention to lyrics, but 
if a song is super, super catchy, then I can disregard the lyrics. And, you know, I'm not always super crazy about her lyricism, but I just think the melody in her music is always so good. The instrumental is so good. I could just listen to her stuff, like, all day. So, yeah, I guess those Agreed. are some of my uh, recommendations for right now. Yeah. Very, very cool. Well, I, I'm so excited to get to talk to you again. I'm looking forward to what we see coming down the line. Um, hopefully you will never have to make a choice between music and or acting. And, and I'm looking forward to big things when you get back to California, my friend. Congratulations. Thank you very much. And, you know, thanks for having me on again. It was great chatting with you. Anytime. I'd love to have you back. Let everyone know where they can find you. Give your social and your uh, Spotify and your YouTube. Okay, sure. Um, so my YouTube channel is just Panot, youtube.com slash Panot, P-A-N-O-T. And then on Instagram and Twitter, you can find me at Pano Pancakes. So P-A-N-O, then Pancakes. And then I am Blue Franklin on Spotify and all streaming platforms, obviously streaming platforms. So just the color blue and then Franklin, like the turtle slash the last name. <laughs> nice. I like it. Yeah. Well, I like I said, I've loved your channel for a long time. I, I just like your your attitude and your aesthetic and the way that you tell it as it is, and it's a lot of fun, and I really am enjoying the music. The Seat Indifference, I thought, amazing. And we're going to play out to Thank Joe you. Exotic. I think I can guess the inspiration behind that, but uh, <laughs> I'm looking forward to sharing that with my listeners. Um, what, what do you think if they need to, uh, find out what should be the first song after this, they listen to in your recommendation, Brat boy, would you like them sure. to hear Brat boy. boy for sure. All right. Yeah. Well, Pano T stay on the line for me. We are going to play out as I said to a little Joe exotic by our guest. Thanks so much for being on the left of straight show, my friend. I really enjoyed it. Thank you. All right, stand in line. We'll be back. I'll be back on the other side in just a couple of minutes. You're listening to the Left and Straight Show right here on the Left and Straight Radio Network.
buddy Pano T. Guys, great talking to him again and catching up. We are going to now talk to my buddy Matt Van Fossen. Uh, Matt's been a great friend of the show, amazing country music singer and songwriter. So this, uh, we talked on Sunday, so it's a pre-tape interview, but you're really going to enjoy it. I always like catching up with Matt. So here's two songs from Matt in our interview, and I'll be back to close things up and let you know who's coming on the rest of the week in this little bit. Listen to Left the Straight Show. Get ready for a little Matt Van Fossen. It's like jumping. It's like leaping. It's like walking on the ceiling. It's like floating. It's like flying through the air It's like soaring It's like gliding It's a rocket ship you're riding It's a feeling that can take you anywhere So why they call it falling Now why they call it falling Why they call it I don't know There was passion There was laughter The first morning after I just couldn't Get my feet to touch the ground Every time We were together Talked about forever I was certain It was heaven He had found So why they call it falling Now why they call it falling Why they call it falling I don't know But you can't live your life Walking in the clouds Sooner or later You have to come back It's like a knife Through the heart When it all comes apart It's like someone Takes a pin to your balloon It's a home It's a cave It's kind of like a grave When he tells you That he's found somebody new 
live karaoke from from the uh, Bob's Big Boy Den because I don't know. Have you seen the pictures of us the my dining room that is now done up and completely uh, Big Boy everything, including the menus, tablecloth, all that fun stuff. I have not. You have to share those with me, my friend. Tell me about this. When did this renovation take place? So we started like a um, historic retail museum kind of thing in the family room, and it's all kinds of Sears, Kmart, Ames, Big Bear. This was a Ohio staple for a long time. And the big boy stuff I've collected since I was in high school, when they all closed. So it didn't kind of fit because it wasn't retail. So we decided that we were going to put it in the dining room and it's all set up. All the restaurant memorabilia that I have is set up all around um, the dining room table. And it has uh, even original sixties, big boy glass, salt and pepper shakers. Um, Somebody drunkenly knocked the head off of one when they were here last week, but it glued back on. So we were okay. But, uh, yeah, it's cool. You get to see different pieces of the history um, going back to the to the '60s, and so it's all right there on the walls as you as you take in your meal, you know. So I think it's kind of cool. It's like it gives a character, you know, and and it's kind of, kind of where I've been doing all of my Facebook lives um, from that area because I um, it's easily accessible, and what a great backdrop between that and the Golden Girls room that I have in the spare bedroom. I mean, I guess I could go live from the Blamps room, but <laughs> there you go. I like it. Yeah, I will have to. Um, I'm going out this summer. I just announced this week that I'm going back to Palm Springs for a month of shows uh, this summer. Oh, Wasn't fun. sure. It's my third year going out there, and every year I go to the original Bob's Big Boy in Burbank. And they have some fun little stuff. I'll have to get you a present this year. But uh, I'll definitely be going back there in July. But I, I miss I miss my Bob's Big Boy. And uh, I, I've been lucky to go back the last two years and be able to hit it there. And that Burbank one is a lot of fun. And uh, it's, 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 it's just nostalgia for me. And I know we've talked about it a lot in the past. And you do all, like you said, you've done Hills and Ains, all things that have closed down you've kind of made a little shrine to which I absolutely love. Um, I just think that's kind of cool. It's kind of a fun little way to do things. Now you keep referencing him. You have a handsome fiance and you guys, uh, he's a teacher. How's he holding up? Has he been able to do okay with his students and everything through all this? Well, yeah. I mean, he's, he's the principal of an elementary school and he is, uh, you know, going to, going to work and, um, making sure they've set up a thing to receive um, lunches and dinners um, for five days a week on Monday. So he's been going in and preparing the food with everybody and getting uh, the deliveries and the pickups done and making sure that the kids have a, he does a storybook read on their Facebook every day. And he's just, it's interesting to see um, a different side of him, maybe that I already knew existed, but just to see, uh, what a good person somebody is, even in a pandemic, I think is is incredible. I mean, he's just a very selfless person. I mean, you couldn't ask for a better partner in life than somebody like him. I mean, and half the half of the things we talk about when we talk about the the big boy room or the the retail, he's designed it, he's put it up, he's you know built this, that, and the other. I mean, he's just 
He's my boy. <laughs> there you go. Well, you're a good match. That that's very cool. I love that. You guys binging on anything during this time? Are you guys TV watchers or movie watchers or how you oh spending your other we're, we're a train time? wreck. We're a train wreck. <laughs> um, we did we did binge watch Tiger King in two days. Um, that was special, and I believe you you had said that it was kind of like a car accident. You couldn't look away, and it's true. You just exactly. couldn't. Like, it was a complete mess of a thing, and it's, you know, he's obsessed um, with saying stuff about Carol Baskin, so I got him a spatula <laughs> with the, it's wood, and it's engraved with um, Joe Exotic's face on it. It says, Carol Baskin. I'm just not going to say the the word, but it has a a tiger's head in the place of the uh, S word. Um, so he <laughs> so he has that nice to cook to... with. Um, so we've been doing that. Of course, we were sad to see Ship Creek go. Um, we we discovered that late. Um, okay, no, 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 no. Don't say the last step of the last season because I missed the last season. But oh my God, what an amazing show! Oh, I'm not going to talk about it. But what a great <laughs> show and what a complete. What a complete um, – we just started watching it in the fall um, from the beginning, and I just think what a complete – first of all, Moira Rose, you just can't anything with her. Oh, um, amazing. And, and when you spend that time thinking about when – I, when I first started watching it, and I thought to myself, this is the woman that forgot her child twice at home. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, you think about exactly, that. Exactly, right? She's just – such a different person. Um, and then David. I mean, like, who knew that that spoiled brat was going to be, you know, my man crush by the by the time it was over? I mean, I just think he's so, you know, handsome. You have to have a hall pass, right? So um, <laughs> Dan, Dan Levy is, you know, is, is the, the known hall pass in my world. I just think he's so cool and so nice and caring and what a great platform that they have given the world i mean we all specifically being somebody that sings country music um i don't have i don't get the opportunity to have a lot of um fans and number one i mean country music isn't the number one genre in <laughs> in most gay male uh world anyways but i do sing uh-huh. other things and actually when we talked about um about why they call it fallen that you displayed I'm working on that's the first song from a, a covers project that I'm I'm starting that's going to be called There's More to Me Than You and it's all about the women from all genres of music that inspired me to want to be a singer. So we're gonna that is a one of my favorite Lee and Womack songs and we're gonna do some Reba and some Celine Whitney. Uh, it's going to be a wide range of things, but I'm so excited to get to um, put a staple on it because, like most people, I you know I love everybody, but the women women have really been the driving force behind my love of of music and singing. I mean, they're just something about them and the way they sing and the stories that they tell, and that's what I've tried to for the most part, model myself after Miss um, Reba McIntyre. So, you know, I just think it's incredible. So that's why I'm working on a project of uh, cover songs of my favorite influential women uh, to put out uh, maybe by the summer. And it's a cool time. When we were talking about 
uh, all of that going on in the Spotify thing and all of these things going on. It's, it's amazing the uptick um, that Spotify and this, that, and the other are having in my musical life because I'm not really – I'm not very good at promoting myself to begin with, but um, the single You Could Have Loved Me is getting thousands of streams a, a week doing it all on its own and it's getting played as far away as Korea in Australia and it's blowing my mind but it just is a testament to how powerful music is and well, it it's has a testament no boundaries. to you my friend I mean you say it's doing it all on its own but you have an amazing talent I mean you put out some excellent music and you got to give yourself a little way to go guy pat on the back because it's it's your voice my friend and your style and I love it. Tell me where that song came to you from. You Could Have Loved Me is a song about knowing that you made a mistake. You you made a mistake in the relationship, and um, the other person did as well, and you could have been together. It could have been the rest of your life, but um, both of us made the wrong decisions, and now we have to live with that because we've moved on with our lives, and you have to, you know, when that happens, I mean, who hasn't been there? I think everybody sure. has um, been in love with somebody, but not done the right thing. You know, <laughs> you just kind of right. kind of remember. You're like, ah, oh, well, yeah, I messed that up. It could have been different if we had done this, or I had stayed, or if I had done this. You know, I mean, who literally hasn't been there? I and he, and my fiance said to tell you also while I remember this. Um, he he was listening to Sam the pianist on your show? Oh, yeah. Uh-huh. A couple weeks mm-hmm. ago. And he said to tell you uh, that he loved it. So he listens. Oh, listen I will regularly. let him know. Yes, Sam is an amazing guy. And uh, Sam Cushing is his name out of Chicago. Mm-hmm. And he is, he literally, I, I told him on the show, he's literally Captain America. The guy as handsome as hell, has amazing body. He's a fitness trainer. He plays the piano, classical piano. He's an Instagram influencer, like 435,000 Instagram followers and 3 million views on YouTube. But he's just the nicest guy in the world. So I'm glad mm-hmm. I passed that along because he is very humble. So he'll want to hear that. So thank you for sharing that. Tell your fiance, thank you. Will do, will do. Well, I, I love the idea of the cover album. I think that's going to be amazing because I think every time we've talked, we've talked about the influence by these wonderful women to you. <laughs> Probably actually, so. I actually had a chance, Jay Rodriguez, two weeks ago that, of course, worked with Reba in Malibu country. And he's had a, he had a couple uh-huh. good stories for me off air. But, yeah, that, that sounds like an amazing project. Who's, uh, who's some of your covers you're looking to? You gave us some names, but who, who's – who would you really like to do that you haven't um, ever really talked about before? It's one of your inspirations. Well, I think one of the uh, – when when I proposed, I had gotten a hold of one of my favorite country singers, um, Shelly Wright. Um, I'm sure you're familiar with her. But she was coming to Ohio for a show, and I got a hold of her, told her that um, my fiance and I were coming, and she has a song called It Was – that is literally like our our song. And I asked her, not knowing what she would do, um, if um, after she sang that song, if I could propose to, to him on stage. And not only did she say yes, but she brought me up on stage before that 
um, let me have the mic, let me do the talking, bring him up, propose, and then she sang the song, and she kept us to the show, and it, it, she even, you know, has offered to, to come to the wedding, and I think it's such a, to who she is, and, you know, living her um, life out and proud for a decade this month, um, right. she's been doing that, and so I'm going to be doing It Was of hers on that, on that album, and the title, There's More to Me Than You, is kind of like a double on double thing for me um there's a song that was out right after i graduated high school and it had a up-tempo version and there was a ballad version and it, it it talks about there's more to me than you like you think that i'm i'm what i am because of you but there's more to me than that and so if you're pissed off you could listen to the up-tempo version if you're sad you can listen <laughs> to the ballad version and it has been um 17 years since that song came out and i still listen to it at least once a week, if not more. And so I decided that uh, the ballad version is, is going to be the title track of the record because I just think such a way, uh, because it, it's so honest. And it should have been much bigger than a top 20 hit um, for Miss Jessica Andrews, um, but it, it was not. But it was such a good song. And I encourage you look up her version on YouTube. There's three different videos, two for the ballad and one for the uh, up-tempo, but it's such a good song, and I'm so excited to put my put my spin on it, and I think that's what's important. And then uh, I do this at shows. I love um, Vanessa Carlton, A Thousand Miles, so that will be getting mm. covered, um, nice. and My Heart Will Go On by Celine Dion. We have to do that. It's important. <laughs> important piece. I love Titanic and I love Celine Dion. Um, and I still believe that Jack could have fit on that um, bedpost, but whatever. Doesn't Thank matter. you. Thank you. That's what I'm <laughs> screaming. I'm glad someone else agrees. <laughs> she was a little bit uh, selfish there, I thought. Goodness gracious. She was, she was super selfish. Moving on. Uh, but it made for a good movie, right? <laughs> right, exactly, exactly. Uh, no sequel, but made for a good movie. I'll tell you. <laughs> Can't really right. sequel that thing, but what the heck? No, that's great. That sounds like an amazing story, and I can't. That's going to be a fantastic cover uh, and title track for that. We talked a little bit at last time you're on. Country is kind of starting to make a bit of a breakthrough. We've had Brandon Stansel on. We've had Cameron uh, Hawthorne on. Uh, it's it's a little bit here and there, but it's still. I just I thought it would kind of break a little quicker than this. Are you surprised we're not seeing? I mean, Ty Hergen was a pretty big name. Are you surprised Billy Gilman's back now and he's going more pop since The Voice? Are you surprised we're right. seeing more male country artists out right now and I successful? Think, I think it's such an interesting time because it's such a transition period for country music in general. I think hmm. most of it's not even country music anymore. And I hate to say that, but it's it's really true. Like, I don't even really listen to the radio. I couldn't tell you what is on the radio at this point in time. And I think it's because it's, country music has lost its way. And maybe it will find its way back. Uh, but I think what's, what's a great thing about uh, the Brandons and the Ties and the Billies, you know, they're, I mean, of course, they're all, um, very attractive and physically fit, unlike me. But, uh, you know, they have an ability 
to put their put their themselves out in such a way with social media and everything the way that it is with live stream and Instagram and all these things. They have an ability. You can make your own path nowadays. It's not like before where you had to rely on a record label to put millions of dollars into you. You can become successful as as long as you want to work hard for it. And you know maybe if if you know you got a nice six pack underneath your shirt, that works too. But um, or you know, you know there's got to be room for a bear country singer too. I mean that's what I'm hoping. But the thing is, you know the most popular country singer right now. Uh, male-wise, is Luke Combs, and, you know, he's a fantastic singer, but he also looks like, (laughs) (laughs) you know, there's got to be room for me. I keep telling myself that. But, no, I think, and I listened to, you know, um, to Brandon's interview with you, and I just, I think he's doing wonderful things, and the world's ready for this. Everybody's, not everybody's going to be accepting, but the world is ready for this, and I know that there are people that are that are in the upper echelon of male country singers that are uh, struggling with making that decision to come forward. But I hope that someday, sooner rather than later, that they do, so that the little boys that uh, grow grew up back in the '90s listening to Reba McIntyre and putting on T-shirts as red hair and singing. And wanting that to be the only thing that they ever did with their lives, don't feel ashamed and don't wait until they're almost in their 30s to try to start singing because they were too afraid that people would hate them because of who they were. The world of things that go on every day anyways, nobody nobody should want to be fighting a battle like that. And everybody has a battle of their own, but who wants to have to fight with themselves to decide whether or not they are worthy of something that they completely are and self-sabotage sometimes because people are so afraid of what other people think when we shouldn't be. We should just be our own, our own authentic selves and people will levitate towards you because of it. Well said. I love that. And I think, like you said, um, we do have a lot of the, quote-unquote pretty boys that are making it country music but i think as you said country was always the story it was never the looks behind it it was always the story Mm -hmm. and the sound and i think like you said we need to get back to that you are very strong i mean garth brooks is eating good trisha yearwood's feeding him well he's not like he was looking (laughs) before and he still sings good um so i don't think it really Good music is not based on an outside appearance, obviously. When you say that country music's lost its way, what do you mean by that? And where do you think it needs to get back to? Country music has turned into um, rejected pop radio, perhaps. Mm. Mm. Um, it doesn't have it. It doesn't have a purpose. Most of the songs that um, they're just there. Uh, you know, take me back to a person that grew up with the 90s. I mean, every time you turn around, and I, of course, at work or wherever I'm at, I got my AirPods in, and I'm listening to those those songs from, from that time, and they all had a purpose. They had a story. They had a feeling. They had a time that you could relate to. You could put yourself right. in that position, and that's one of the things about 
why they call it falling. That's uh, the first. Why why is love called falling in love? Like, why would you want to call it that? Because it's, there's all these great things, and you're flying, and you're floating in the air, but sometimes when it doesn't work out, it's like you've fallen into a hole, and it's like a metaphor. Right. And that that is what I'm talking about. Music um, has to have some kind of relatability factor past having a good beat. And I think that some of the things that I've loved is listening to these people that are coming out, coming out of the ashes. And, you know, and, and Steve Grand is even a good example of that as well. I mean, he, he does some great music and he has some great, and there's stories behind it. And you get to put yourself in a position. I grew up in the nineties singing along to what matters most as a 10 year old by Ty Herndon. And now at 30 something, 30 or my early to early thirties, I get to hear him sing it the real way he wanted to sing it, where he released that version where he's singing about a guy. He's singing about right. that that truth. And I thought that was such a cool thing for me last year is to be able to download that, support him in his truth, but to be able to hear a song that I love so much be, being sung about a man singing about the man that he loves or he did love and he messed it up. And that's, you know, that's life. That's real, relatable things, and I think that's one of the main things that that drew me to You Could Have Loved Me, and I think that's what's driving its online resurgence, Um, and every time I go live, uh, people always ask for that song specifically, and I think it's just because people can relate to it, and they understand that um, that's what music is about. I mean, it's all fun and dandy to have fun songs you know, to sing about getting drunk in the bar, but, you know, at the end of the night, you want to be able to have made an impact on somebody, um, and that's why we do what we do. Well said. Now, for your own personal songwriting, do you have to be really experiencing really strong feelings, or do you get inspired through all sorts of different ways? Or what, what's what's your impetus when a song comes to you? Have you found that it's usually when it's something really deep or you're able to kind of, they just pop up a random thought? Well, actually the last song that um, I've been working on with uh, a friend of mine, Purdy, was called The Start. And it happened after a couple of quarantinis. Um, nice. <laughs> we're talking, we're talking about, uh, you know, you could wake up tomorrow and, and start, the process of changing your life for forever. And we started it, you know, on a, on a Sunday morning after having a couple of mimosas and, uh, you know, we're almost finished with it, but it's such a, it, it doesn't necessarily have to be organic. I think when you are in that position, um, and you're bouncing or you're talking ideas, um, about stuff and he's a drummer, but that's not what he does for a living. He's a, a chemist. You know, but he was. We were all hanging out, and it's just one thing led to another. I think that's one of the cool things about music, and it's certainly not going to be a country song. I actually jokingly told him it sounded like it sounds like something that should be in a Disney movie, but um, that's okay because I like singing everything, and uh, you know, there's room for all of that. So I think that it's it's cool to be able to put uh, different styles uh, to the writing, and and it's nice because it's happy. It's, you know, I was talking about hope nice. and, you know, a lot of the 
a lot of the stuff that I have written is really dark. <laughs> Yeah, so. Nice to be a little bubbly for a change. I like it. Very, very right. cool. And I'm like I alluded to earlier, you are out a lot everywhere from, as you said, Cedar Point to Pride Festivals to the neighborhood bars to different places. Uh, what do you miss most about being out there? Are you surprised you're missing any certain place? Where do you want to get out to once you're allowed to get out again? Well, you know, I'm very fortunate to have people that follow me no matter where uh, I'm playing. Um, they even follow me to the live stream, um, which I, you know, try to do every couple of weeks. But the place that I miss the most, my favorite place to play, you could only maybe fit 100 people in it, uh, is the Vino di Piscine. It's in Bridgeport, Ohio, and they, um, it's a family-owned winery. They are the best people. Um the owners, the the people that work there, the the these people that come there for the magnificent wine, but the you know my featured thing, and they are reopening for takeout, um, even for this in a sippy cup, they have a wine slushy that they will Ooh. mix red and white together. Oh yes, on a hot day when you're singing, um, you could drink a couple of them and you'll just think it's lemonade. You know what I mean? <laughs> Thank you. So I'm liking I, that. I miss them. I miss I them. Bet. It's so nice to get to be around people that appreciate what you do. And they, they every time, are so thankful. Nice. Very nice. And um, I'm sure you've been spending time listening to a lot of music, too, along with this time off. Who would you say is out there right now that might be – um, either underrated or just not on anyone's radar yet that you recommend people listen to besides yourself, because everyone's got to go listen to Matt's stuff. But uh, who have you been listening to that might not be in other people's radar? Emily West. She had a record deal, and um, she did a, a beautiful, if I could recommend you to listen to anything other than me, um, you could look up Blue Sky by Emily West on any uh, music provider. She um, had Keith Urban do the song with her. Literally, it will make you cry if you've ever been in that position. But she got second on America's Got Talent several years ago. Um, and she, I sang a, I saw her live and I got a, a CD of hers. This was before America's Got Talent. And she wrote a song called Pull Over that I absolutely love. And so last week I had recorded uh, myself singing it and hashtagged her in it. Well, she not only watched it, she liked it. She commented on it. And then she sent a message about how great she thought I was. And I, she has an incredible voice. She's very, she's a timeless uh, Marilyn-esque beauty blonde. And she just has such a beautiful voice. She can sing anything. So check out Emily West. That's fantastic. Good recommendation. All right, and if you could spend one day on tour with anybody, who would you like to uh, spend go on tour with? Ty Herndon. Let's and Brandon Stanzel. Let's do a, a country gays tour. <laughs> there you go. The the three banditos, the three amigos. I like it. The three amigos tour. Um, well, actually, let's just say two twinks and a bear. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I like that. 
That's a top billing right there. That's amazing. Right there. Very, very mm-hmm. cool. Well, very good. Well, I'm excited. We know we're going to be able to look out for some new music. We got to hear why they call it Falling Over. We're going to play out in just a minute with You Could Have Loved Me. And we're, we're going to be looking forward to this cover album here. What else do you got on so when things start opening up? Um, what projects have been put on hold, or what are you looking forward to doing here? Well, I'm looking forward to getting uh, in the studio and finishing the covers project, but uh, I love, you know, getting to perform. So Monday tonight, come uh, check out my Facebook Live concert at 9 o'clock and uh, see what you can get in a request or two. I take live requests. So every Monday at 9 o'clock, you can come to my Facebook, and I'll sing you some songs. So come say hi. There you go. I love it. Well, Matt Van Fossen, you've been a great friend of the show, a great friend to me, and I just love your voice and love your music, my friend. Thanks for coming on the Left of Straight show again. Well, thank you for having me. I appreciate it all. And let everyone know again where they can find your music, your website, and your social media. Everything is uh, Matt Van Fossen Music. So you can search it on iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, and on the Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. Very, very good. Well, guys, be on the lookout. We're going to have a special five questions with Matt just for a heck of it and a little silly fun. We're going to play out with the aforementioned You Could Have Loved Me. You're listening to Left to Straight Show right here on Left to Straight Radio. I'll be back in just a couple of minutes.
love me If I could have stayed But the world kept pulling me out of that town And it's better that way Cause I'm still a dreamer Wild and free But you could have loved me And guys, thanks so much for listening today. Hope you enjoyed our show. Thanks so much to Pono T, to Matt Van Fossen, and of course to Zach Day for our very first ever musical minute. Guys, I'm excited about all these special correspondence I have coming up for you in the next coming weeks. They'll each be contributing one or two little tidbits a month sharing their expertise in different areas in music. I have Zach, like we had today, and my good buddy Jay Knight, who's an amazing singer-songwriter and really into the indie scene. So they'll be trading off Mondays for a Musical Monday Minute. And then we're going to have my good buddies uh, Josh and Jeffrey, the J&J Buzz on Tuesdays and uh, or Wednesdays. I'm not sure which they're going to be. They're going to have their little pop culture moment. They'll be trading off with uh, our good friend Enoch Miller, the Empress of WeHo, and he'll be taking care of West Coast Entertainment Stories, and Adam Rothenberg, who does the fantastic Call Me Adam podcast and blog, will be taking care of East Coast uh, Entertainment, and then Kyle Langan is going to be doing our luxury living from his Hamptons to Hollywood blog and lifestyle uh, videos that he does. In fitness, our good friend Jason Caceres and Jake Dean Taylor will be giving us fitness tips. And then we're going to be doing mental health minutes with Stephanie Schroeder. That's a fantastic advocate for that. And we'll finish it up with our LGBT travel expert, Ed Salvato. So, so excited to have all these great correspondents going to be working with us over the next couple of weeks here. Tomorrow, we're going to have J&J Buzz do their Pop Culture Minute. We're going to have uh, Josh Robbins, Jeffrey McAllister doing that for us. Then I got two great interviews for you. Sam Light is a Broadway and touring actor, dancer, and singer. He's also a personal trainer and probably one of the fittest guys on the planet. Just amazing. And he'll be on with Justin Root, who has his own YouTube show called The Justin Root Show, where he's interviewed everyone from RuPaul to Belinda Carlisle to all sorts of really cool people. So they're going to be on tomorrow's show. 
Wednesday will be Brandon Niefel, who was on Finding Prince Charming. Uh, Kyle Thomas will be talking astrology. Thursday, Justin Littleton, another fantastic personal trainer from Justin Lifts Things, and he's also a great advocate on eating disorders. Jeffrey Johns will also be on Thursday, whose musical Still Waiting in the Wings, the sequel to his first one, is hilarious and funny with an amazing cast. And then Friday is going to be Canada Day. My good buddy Scotty Dynamo and his partner Mike Hesden will be on, followed by Jeremy LaRue and Clayton James, a straight ally that stars in Jeremy's movie Dominic Cord about an out country or a country music singer that gets outed. So great week of shows this week. Thanks so much for tuning in to everybody. If you're not following me on social media, please do. You'll hear all about this every day and more on Twitter and Facebook. It's at left of straight, always spelled L E F T O F S T R and the number eight on Facebook. It's the left of straight show page or you can follow my public profile, Scott Fullerton, to shoot me over a friend request. I hope you enjoyed today's show, and we're going to have some fantastic interviews the rest of the week. Again, a big thanks to Zach Day, Pano T, and Matt Van Fossen. We'll see you tomorrow, every day, Monday through Friday, 6 o'clock Pacific, 9 o'clock Eastern Time, right here on the Let's Straight Radio Network. We'll see you next time. Bye-bye.